0: it's due to uh, um, my recognized incompetence or your tiredness. But David asked me to basically take uh, 10, 15 minutes, review what we talked about last night, which will lead into the small groups, and then we're gonna come back and uh, we'll look at another passage in a longer way. So if this sounds like a rerun to some of you that bears some resemblance to what I said last night, that's actually the idea behind it. And if it doesn't, then just, this is what I was trying to say last night, I guess. Um, you know, our, our subject is, is being a man of influence. And... Uh, Kind of interesting, I, I talked a little bit about our personal situation last night, but uh, just thinking about that, I for more than 40 years have been a position of, of public influence, senior pastor in churches and having that kind, and then I stepped down from that role in June, and uh, it's kind of interesting when you don't have that obvious position of influence, What what does influence look like, does it mean that I just sort of play this out. And then the Lord has, because of a very serious illness that my daughter has, a very serious brain cancer that uh, means that the uh, likelihood that she is not going to be with us for very long and because of very serious uh, surgery that's left her uh, really disabled, unable to use her right arm and her right leg, having to learn, again, some speaking tools and, and groping for words. Um, and the fact that she and her two kids, um, 14 and eight, live with us has meant that, all of a sudden, not only do I have that position, but now I have a whole new focus and my level and bearing of influence is in, in, a, in a very specific way. And the issue is that you know, all of us have circles of influence. And sometimes they are broad because we have a public platform. Sometimes they're very narrow. But God has called us into those positions not just to have influence, we have influence. The issue is what kind of influence are we gonna have and what kind of influence are we gonna be uh, in the in the life of others. And um, so uh, we looked at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 12. And I tried to say, three things that I think this passage tells us. First of all, spiritual influence comes from understanding our identity. And Peter says two things that are significant there. He begins by saying, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And then he goes on to say in the 10th verse, once you were not a people, But now you are God's people. Once you did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now that language is full of Old Testament language uh, from Exodus chapter 19, from Isaiah chapter 43, from the book of Hosea. And it's in the Old Testament context used of the nation of Israel and what God planned and purposed for Israel. But now after the cross, after the resurrection, God's focus shifts away from the nation of Israel to bring into being his new people. He's made eternal promises to the nation of Israel and I believe they're gonna be literally fulfilled. And when Christ returns, Israel's gonna enter into what God has for us, for for them. And through them is gonna come blessing to the world. But in the present age, God is working through the church, which is his people. And we are God's people. We are God's chosen people. I am part of God's royal priesthood. I am uh, part of God's holy nation. I'm a person of God's own possession. I, I had no claim on that. I had no right to it. But by God's grace, through faith and trust in Christ, and earlier Peter uses the language that Christ is the is the chief stone, the cornerstone, and we're living stones, and we're being added to him, and God's building something new in the world, to understand who we are in Christ. We're not just members of a club. We're not just members of a guild. We're part of God's people. You know, uh, a good number of years ago, I uh, came to the conviction that the local church was worth giving my life to, And I have spent over 40 years trying to live that out for one way or another. But you're around local churches and you realize the first truth of local churches is that sinners live there. And there's all kinds of people problems and all kinds of challenges. But in the midst of it all, a local church composed of genuine believers in Christ are people who've experienced God's grace and through whom God is committed to work in the world. And you are God's man, part of God's family, called to that. We're God's special people. But in contrast to Israel, we're we're not a group of people called out of the nations to live on our own, isolated. We're God's scattered people. And, And the plan and purpose of the church wasn't to build a nation, but to build a people, a kingdom people, That are scattered all over. So he says in verse 11 in this passage, but beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Now, it's one of the interesting things, and you're in Texas, we are are living in California, the whole issue of illegal immigrants and all of that is very much to the to the fore um, and, and all of that immigration. I'm probably the only person in this group who carries a green card in my wallet because I know what it is to be a legal immigrant and sojourner, but, but I still live with that identity. I mean, I, As long as I live, I will be a Canadian, heart and core, and I live here, but I'm a citizen elsewhere. Now, you look with me on a pity on that. Isn't it a terrible thing he's not a Canadian? What a, what a pitiful thing to have to live with. But the reality is your deepest identity is not that you are an American. It is that you are a part of God's eternal kingdom in Christ and you're part of an international community of brothers and sisters scattered around the world. And we gather here, but our real identity isn't when we're gathered, although that's a wonderful thing, and by the way, I I just enjoy so much a group of men singing together. I was reading this week about a new group that's trying to start something called Man Church, and Man Church doesn't allow any women to come, and because men don't like singing, they're not gonna have any singing, and they're gonna do other few stupid things as well, and all I could think of is, some of the greatest times in my life have just been with a group of men singing together, And uh, just delighting in our unity in the Lord. But we're God's scattered people. And he will talk about living lives among the Gentiles. And you're a kingdom agent where you are. I think that's one of the great things to get into your mind. God has planted you in your place, wherever it is, as an agent of his kingdom. As a representative of his. And you need to understand that and live in that particular way. So that's the first thing. Spiritual influence comes from understanding who we are. We're God's special people by grace, part of his eternal family, and we're God's scattered people to represent and bring the influence of the kingdom into bear where God has placed us. The second thing, spiritual influence, comes from understanding our purpose, our God-given purpose. You are Uh, a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, uh, a people for God's own possession to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why has God called you? God has called you to be a means of showing his glory and his majesty and his greatness. And our purpose is not simply to realize the benefits of salvation, but to proclaim the glory of the Lord, to let our light so shine before people that they may see our good works, as Paul puts it, and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Pardon me, that's the way the Lord Jesus says it. In uh, Philippians chapter 2, he says we're to shine as lights in the midst of a dark and troubled generation. By the way, I think it's utterly critical that we understand our calling and we find in many ways that the, um, our, our culture is moving away from its Christian base. That's not surprising in terms of what the Bible teaches. And the Bible teaches in a certain sense that we're not to spend our life cursing the darkness. We're to spend our life shining the light of the reality of who God is and what he's doing. And, and, and so many times when we spend our energies and efforts cursing that the darkness is getting darker, we, we aren't heard as shining the light that the world needs to see in dark places. And so we need to understand that's where our calling is, but our calling is to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his glorious light. And, and I guess if I have any passion, um, It is that you think thoughts of God that are worthy of Him, that will influence your life. That you have a big view of who Christ is. That you have a great view of who the triune God is. And that sense of the majesty and glory and greatness of God will kind of capture your life in different people. I I was deeply influenced by uh, the writings of a man named Donald Gray Barnhouse. And Grey Barnhouse was a Presbyterian preacher in the early part of uh, the t- first half of the 20th century and, and a figure when all kinds of things were happening in church, denominations were moving in a particular way. But he tells the story, he went to Princeton Seminary about the time it was gonna go through a split. And one of his teachers was a man named Robert Dick Wilson who was a brilliant linguist and um, A few years after he graduated, he was invited to come back and speak in the chapel, and uh, Robert Dick Wilson came to hear him. Preaching to professors is always a challenging thing, your own professors, and and there he was, and uh, Wilson came up to him afterwards and said, uh, Barnhouse, I only come to hear my students speak once, so I will never come and listen to you again. But I always ask one thing, Does he have a big God or a little God? You have a big God, and God will bless you. And as I think about that, I thought, you know, that's a wonderful way of diagnosing where a person is. Do they have a little God or a big God? And we're called to proclaim the excellencies of God who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light and even going through what we're going through in our own family life, um, having a God who is able to meet every need and walk with us through this is absolutely fundamental. So spiritual influence involves understanding our identity. It means understanding our purpose. And spiritual influence, I didn't quite put it this way um, uh, last night, spiritual influence means caring about our inner life and our outer life. Um, Verse 11, Paul says, beloved, as exiles and strangers, Abstain from the desires that wage war against your soul, the desires of the flesh that wage war against your soul. And if you're gonna have influence, your biggest battle is against yourself. Against the reality that although you're a new man in Christ, you're not yet entirely new, and we'll be talking about this tonight in a more significant way, that I am recognizing God has called me to make no provision for the flesh and to live with a desire to please God in every area of my life. And there's a struggle that goes on inwardly, but I need to trust God at every stage so that I am not giving sin a foothold into my life, that I'm not giving an opening. Um, I I went, as you know, to Dallas Seminary one of the great privileges of, of my life was going there and spending four years with the class I did. But you know, one of the sad parts is, and uh, the, one of the professors who influenced me most was Howard Hendricks. And um, Howard used to say, carried a list around in his pocket of names of guys who had begun with such promise in seminary and then had dropped out of ministry. They would defaulted because of sin in their life a good beginning does not guarantee a good ending. And uh, we need to recognize that that's true in our life in a constant way. Then the second thing he says is, live such a beautiful lifestyle among the Gentiles that when they speak against you, so expect opposition, they may glorify God in the day of visitation. In other words, people are going to push back. But the early Christians overwhelmed the pagan world around them, not simply because of the message that they brought, but because of the lifestyle they lived. They they aroused the world to envy in a significant way. And Paul says we're to live, Peter says, we're to live lives of good deeds to the glory of God. And so our outer life needs to have a beauty about it that comes from spending time with Christ and living out the life of Christ in such a way that people may criticize that. But their criticism is muted because they have a recognition that something is going on there. It's part of the beauty of a local church. A local church is called to be a place where believers are loving one another and caring for one another and ministering to one another in such a way that people look back and say, what is it about those people? But they're also caring about the community and reaching out to others around them in the name and for the glory of Christ. So those are the three things that I think Peter wants us to understand that we need to understand who we are in Christ because of God's grace. We need to understand our purpose from God, and that is to live to proclaim his excellencies. And we can only do that as we're looking at our inner life and being vigorous and robust in making sure that internally there's a congruence between what we profess and how we're living. And then externally, We're manifesting the love of God in practical ways to others. Now, I wanna pick up on one of those uh, parts of that, and and, uh, when we come back together after your breakout times, um, we'll uh, look at a passage in 2 Peter. But let me just, uh, Rick, what are we supposed to do now? Just um, pray and entrust guys to go? Okay. So Father, we pray that as these uh, groups come together and as men talk with one another, that you'd give the ability for us to both have honesty as we speak to one another and ministry as we care for one another. For the good of one another, we ask it, and for the glory of your Son, in Christ's name, amen. Thanks, here. All right, let's head off to our groups. Um, We need to be finishing up right at 10.15, okay, so we can get back here and have time for the next session. So I think everybody knows where you need to go.